Welcome to the Movement Made Better podcast, powered by Stick Mobility. We are your hosts, Dennis Dunphy and Neil Valera. Welcome, everyone, to episode three of the Movement Made Better podcast. We have a special guest with our very first guest, actually, all the way from New Jersey, here in California, Jared, our master instructor. What's going on, guys? Jared Forestieri here from uh, Elmwood Park, New Jersey, all the way out on the East Coast, here in California, just getting ready for level two, pumped and excited, ready to go. So, Jared, tell the listeners a little about yourself. So, uh, yeah, I mean, my background originally was uh, I was a Division I athlete, uh, baseball player, pitcher, and uh, played at the University of Arizona, had a, uh, a career-ending injury in the long run, torn labrum, and uh, that kind of got me into the strength and conditioning fitness industry just because I didn't want to have uh, what happened to me happen to other you know, young athletes. And then that just went into general, general population, and uh, my first job at uh, was Next Generation Training Center in Wyckoff. And about four years into coaching, there was a time where I, was, I hadn't had any new education. And I asked my mentor, uh, Chris Flo, at the time, what I should kind of look for. And he showed me single ability. And I went to the CERT in, uh, in New Hampshire and absolutely fell in love with it. And now... I'm sitting here in beautiful California a couple of years later as a master instructor and extremely happy and, and humbled and just, yeah, excited to be able to share my my knowledge with it. Awesome, man. Yeah, so Jared is our first master instructor here in the U.S. In Dover, New Hampshire. I remember when we got, when uh, the facility reached out, I was like, Dover, New Hampshire? We had a good turnout. We, we had, had 14 turnout. people. 14 people. The facility was, itself was, like was almost huge. Almost three years ago, right? It was yeah, a huge three years place. ago. So if Seacoast uh, right, uh, Kettlebell, Kettlebell yeah. Colin McGarrity's place. Colin McGarrity, yep. Cool guy. Uh, cool, yeah. For people that don't know, check it out. Seacoast Kettlebell, Dover, New Hampshire, Colin McGarrity's facility. Great place. Great place. But no, that was, uh, that was uh, yeah, almost three years ago. Yeah. And then uh, after that, you took the initiative to... After that, you uh, you guys had the the first cert in New York, and I reached out and said, "Hey, man, do you need someone to assist you?" And then that one assist turned into, I believe, seven or eight assistings, and ultimately led to the first master instructor in the U.S. You know, we watched what you were posting, the content you were posting, right. and and Neil and I were chatting, and we're like, "He gets it." Yep. He gets it. And that's all we all we had to say was he under, he gets it. He understands. And the confidence to say, reach out and say, hey, man, I'd love to assist. What do you right. need? And that shows that drive that we're looking for and the confidence to be able to you know come up and just say, hey, man, this is what I'd like to do. Let's run with it, right? Yeah, so you said that you, what, you tore your labrum. And tore my uh, left labrum, yeah. yeah. Twice, actually. So Twice. do you think that was based on the training that you were doing at that time or I think not it was based, training? Yeah, I, I think it was based on the lack of training because honestly, throughout high school, I, I never lifted a weight. Yeah. First time I lifted a weight was in uh, at the University of Arizona or we were kind of forced to. So uh, that kind of made me realize that I missed a huge part of the development. Yeah. And um, I, I say all the time now, if I had the knowledge that I have now back then, I'd possibly might not be here right now. I don't know where I'd be. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, would, I would definitely say it was a lack of training. Hmm. Yeah. Looking back at it now in the programming, do you see things that in there that you th- 
that you can look at back now and say, I shouldn't have been doing that? It was very uh, body-specific splits, upper days, um, push-pull days, a lot of bilateral, lower body work, bench press work, which is fine, but, you know, for especially pitchers, you need to have a good degree of shoulder mobility, right? So I would definitely have done things different, especially with back squats. I mean, I, not one athlete for, for me does back squats, and I just think it's much higher risk than reward, especially with pitchers with that shoulder uh, positioning. It's just tough. And for me, I know with the torn labrum at the time that I didn't know about, it, it gave me more pain and discomfort than any benefits. Mm. And, ba- and back squatting is, uh, in general, in the strength and conditioning community, it, it is a staple. Yeah, right. It is a complete staple. But what's interesting is somebody like Mike Boyle, who's been coaching for how long? He's yeah. like, no, no back squats. No back loaded squats. Right. Uh, but it's interesting to see somebody like him, who's, who's really... Uh, an icon, so to speak, and yet he's saying, "Look, unilateral training, and and why back squatting? It, it's just like you said, risk reward is not there, right?" Uh, See, for me, it was not there. Yeah, right. and so, but yet you've got all these other strength and conditioning coaches at all these high levels just still throwing it in there. We'd like to hopefully see that start to evolve and change, but we all know change is really slow to. to to happen yeah or you keep it in there but just you do less of it yeah not to less right. volume yeah right? you yeah. just you kind of yeah. change the variation of the squats right. that you do load it front mm-hmm. load it you know use the safety bar actually yeah. that that you know that's that's I a little better because it doesn't it doesn't yeah. lock your scapula down yes right, right? and so for someone that needs that yeah we have the gym we have at the gym and i will say i mean i've used it a couple times and the safety bar yeah for me especially i feel much safer under it hence the name right and then um yeah, I just feel stronger under it. And then as far as when you're coming to the point where you realize, okay, what I had hoped for to, to achieve in my sport is not going to happen. Mm. But things happen for a reason, and now look where you're at, right? Right. I mean, I, I know a lot of uh, buddies of mine that were kind of in the same shoes as, uh, as I was. Didn't make the transition to not playing as easy as I did. They tried to stay in it a little bit longer and where I just kind of was okay with it not being what was going to happen for me. Just ready to move on. I was ready to move on, yeah. I yeah. was really ready to move on. I kind of had the uh, the feeling that continuing to play, I wasn't doing it for myself. I was doing it because of expectations that I felt were on me from high school, being such a good pitcher. And at one point, I just I had this knot in my trap and I was like, you know what, this is... This isn't what I want to do. And I was training a little bit at the time. And I was like, you know what? I have a lot more more passion right now doing that. So I'm just going to dive right into that. And that's kind of like how, uh, how it happened. Right on, man. And yeah. now you are a little over one year into owning your own facility. Yeah, man. That's great. It's going much smoother than I would have uh, imagined. Okay. Yeah, I mean, so we uh, basically our spot is a little bit under 900 square feet. Got two locker rooms, two showers, place uh, aesthetically looks good. Uh, it's the first thing that uh, I thought about what I wanted it to look like, and mm-hmm. it looks just like it. So that made me extremely happy, obviously. And then we opened up with close to 40 members on EFT right off the bat. So, oh, that's great. Oh, yeah, nice. So that was super easy. And then we just added on members from Beautiful. there, adult members. And then 
athletes picked up a couple teams. Ridgewood uh, Girls Lacrosse, uh, Hawthorne Youth Lacrosse Program picked them up. And then um, my, my baseball background picked up a lot of new uh, baseball athletes as well. So it was, it was great. Hit the ground running. So are you doing mostly uh, group classes there? You said you have memberships. So are, are people allowed to come in there and work out on their own, or is it all, all scheduled training? All scheduled training. So we run our classes in the morning and the afternoon. Uh, we have five uh, for the morning classes for the adults, and then three adult classes in the afternoon, two uh, athlete classes in the afternoon. We do a 12-month membership. We do a month-to-month membership, and we also offer a 10-pack of training sessions that will expire three months after uh, that point of sale to keep them accountable to come in. Uh, we use MindBody, which makes it very simple for us. They, uh, they can sign up for classes on their app, so we cap our classes at eight. Uh, a, because of the spacing, and B, because uh, we, we used to do big classes, and in the beginning was, you know, I thought it was really cool, you know, 15, 20 people, this is awesome. And then you get to the point where you start to develop as a coach and you realize you can't coach everyone at once when it's that large of a group. So uh, at least sort of to the standard that you want to. Yeah. So we decide to make it small group, cap it at eight, and uh, give everybody the amount of coaching that they, A, deserve and in, 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 in what the service that we're trying to, to give them. So we uh, shorten our classes. And again, we see who's coming in so we can kind of prep for that class and know what regressions and progressions that we can make within that class. Awesome. It's 900 square feet. Yeah. And I am guilty of this when I was looking at opening up my own places was the size. And I think we get caught up in the whole, we want a big space, right? Big, big space, but it's not necessary. No, it's not. No, I mean, mean, so we've been doing it for again, almost a year now and we haven't had any issues with, members complaining about space really at all. Uh, sometimes we'll let in, you know, 10, 11 people if they overbook and we know the class can handle it, they're okay with it. But um, yeah, the space, I mean, I was also uh, a culprit of it too. When I was first looking, you know, had me no less than 1,500 square feet. And then this place was, you know, brought to my attention. I went and looked at it and fell in love with it. Hmm, nice. Well, I know uh, probably about 10, 11 years ago, the there was I forget who was pushing it, but I know on the speaking circuit there was a somebody that was promote their thing was the eight hundred square foot gym right mm. and, and we've always I think uh, if you're a really good coach like in a closet with a ball and a stick you should be able to train the hell out of somebody right right and so uh, what you're doing is you're trying to make sure that the quality of training is there and it's not the size of the facility that counts. It's what's being taught inside the facility. If you're thinking about opening up a facility, don't get all caught up in, I've got to have 5,000 square feet. If, if you're teaching crap, it's 5,000 square feet of crap. Uh, if you're teaching quality, quality content and education, then it's 1,000 square feet of, uh, of, of quality education and training being taught in there, right? Right. I mean, well, the, the other thing to look at, too, with uh, the size of, of the facility is, like, you're going to have to fill it. You know, if you're if it's your first go at, at, at running a gym in a facility, your own facility, there's the rent, there's the equipment, you got to fill the place. It's got to look full. You can't just have a 5,000 square foot facility and and half fill it with equipment. It's going to look bare. You yeah, know? And utilities, utilities, you got a whole bunch of things, to, think of things about to worry about. Toilet paper, bath soap. So- 
right. it's those little things that you know we didn't understand but like now we do but if you if you're going for your first one, I would absolutely start with the the. It's just lower risk. What right? And that's the thing. It's low risk, small size, low risk, high reward. That small facility. If you really are a little trepid about taking that jump and taking that leap, start with the small facility. See how they, how you manage that. See how you run it financially. If you can sustain it, then you have the ability to upsize after that exactly but man when you want to just open up a place and go big bang for your dollar even if you have a ton of upfront investment money then you've got investors breathing down your neck because investors don't invest in something to see nothing in return you're going to also have to deal with not only managing a large facility but then you've got to deal with the investors on the other side going hey we gave you this where is our return on that? Mm-hmm. So these are things that you might want to think about if you're out there and you're thinking about, man, I'd really love to own my own facility. Uh, what's the one thing that, that you would say surprised you the most that you weren't expecting as far as something that was kind of maybe uh, troublesome that you would rather not have dealt with when you opened up your own facility? I would say 100% time management. Oh, yeah. I mean, my own workouts. The first two, three weeks, I think I may have worked out four times total, like, yeah. you know, a full, good, full body workout. And time management, I would say, is a, was definitely a challenge. Um, marketing uh, okay. in, in, in the beginning, you know, because it's, it's your place now. Yeah. Yeah. No one else is going to be doing yep. it for you. Exactly. You know, so that was not the, a hard part of it, but it was, it was tricky in the beginning. Um, those two things, I would, and time management falls under a couple of different categories, right? There's, mm-hmm. a, there's a few things that fall into that, but um, the time management, I would say, was was my biggest uh, challenge. And, and this year coming up, I mean, we had you do handle your first several uh, certifications on your own. Correct. This past year, uh, you're going to have a lot more on your plate for 2020. Um, did you find what was the nuances? Uh, in regards to the weekends that you were away or when you were on, when you were doing work for us, so to speak. So I have a partner, Casey uh, Rapinski, a good friend of mine. Uh, worked with him at uh, at Next Gen, and then we uh, both went and and, uh, and did this new gym. Uh, by the way, D Y E M stands for Do You Even Move. We're in Hawthorne, New Jersey. So yeah, I mean, I just kind of let him know ahead of time what the dates are that I'm uh, that I'm going to be away, and uh, he covers them. I mean. We have no classes on Sunday, so he just covers that Saturday uh, and the Friday whole day. So uh, I give props to him for, for for taking the whole Friday, double shifts when when I do have to head out. And if me or him, or if, if he can't cover the class, and we have a list of of people that we trust to you know leave with our members, and that's you know as far as teaching the certs and making sure the gym is taken care of. That's that's how we go over that. Nice. The big trust factor you got to have that uh so that's awesome with the growth of both businesses uh do you see down the road you downsizing your own private practice i mean are these things that you're thinking about thinking of the long-term picture so to speak well i've always wanted to to be a master instructor in a system it just had to be the right system that i believed in and mm-hmm. 
obviously this system is something that I strongly, strongly believe in. Um, I would love to uh, teach more. Um, that's definitely in my in my vision for my future. Um, and then having the facility, but hiring some some trainers that I'm not always there. Um, so I do. I would love to also run some workshops for like introduction trainer uh, training workshops because I believe that um, a lot of what you learn in school and what you learn from the some of the certs, uh, some of the certifications, uh, don't get you ready for uh, application right away uh, in the in the fitness industry as far as um, having the experience and how to work with new clients. So I want to do some sort of workshop like that down the road as well. And um, yeah, no, I definitely want to start doing a lot more master instructing, uh, teaching certifications. because I have a real passion for it. I have a lot of fun doing it. Yeah, and I think everyone can sense that authenticity and the passion. When, when you can tell when instructors up front and they're just going through the motions Versus someone that's like, yeah. And like what you said a little earlier, like you, this is something you really believe in. Like I should feel the energy from the speaker coming through like, like, yes. And, and it should be contagious. Like me as the student should come out of there going, yeah, like I'm fired up. Like I'm ready to teach this stuff because the person that just taught me was fired up about teaching it. And this person has been teaching it for years and they're still fired up about it. Like that's what we want, right? right. And and for us that's what drew us to you when you we saw that energy, we saw that passion. If you have I thoughts and and aspirations of, of being a master instructor and educator for some for a system, number one, you have to be a believer in it. Not not saying that and we're not saying to the point where you're like, this is the only thing that works for everything. No, we're not talking about that. We're just saying, be a full believer in what you are teaching, because if you're not, people will be able to tell. And you're just going to lose a lot of validation if if that's the place that you're in, right? Yeah. Right. And it's kind of funny because, you know, if you would see me, I guess, move or you know, go through my, my own practice for mobility training. I'm not the most mobile human out there, but for, I, I came from, from from almost nothing. I had two surgeries on my shoulder. Uh, I have a torn labrum in my right hip that, uh, I mean, now it doesn't bother me. Uh, my shoulder doesn't bother me. I've worked toward where I'm at now where I can move with comfort, you know, and I get I can get into deep ranges. Uh, there's a post that Dennis always talks about in uh, inserts where I'm doing a deep squat a couple years ago, then I do another deep squat with the same uh, same tool that I was using, and my facial expressions are completely changed. But um, yeah, as far as like moving and and having mobility, I've come from a, a, a place of almost no mobility for myself to a place now where I'm very happy with with how I move. How long have you been in the industry for? How long have you been uh, coaching I've been in the industry for seven years now. Seven so years it's now. it's crazy. I talk about it all the time. I feel like I should be farther than where I am, but I'm A, only 29, and right? B, I've only been in for seven years. People that I'm talking to have been in the industry for 15 plus years, and I'm like, I'm a baby. Yeah, I, I keep dude. thinking that I'm yeah, like- I mean, I've been in it for 12. Dennis I'm has 20, been in it. 20 20 plus. Plus. So 
I keep thinking like I should have this, 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 and this. No, dude. And then I compare yeah. myself to people that have been in this industry yeah, for longer than I have. You're way ahead. Like, yeah, you're further along than some people. I'm yeah, good, been but right. Years. Years. But yeah, it's just reality check sometimes. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, where you're at, you're you're way ahead. I look at Neil. I, I've told Neil before, dude. You're way. I mean, when I first met Neil, I was like, well, shit. I wish I would. I wish I had been at the level Neil's at when I first met him. Like you're way ahead of the way ahead of schedule, and ditto for you too. Uh, at your age, you're not even thirty years of age. You're yeah, you're way ahead of the process. So yeah, so and that's a great thing. And we and hopefully we see more people in that below thirty demographic in the mm-hmm. training community start to up their game. Well, I think with social media and the internet, there's so much information out there now, good information that yeah. if you just dive into it. But they still have to be willing to seek it out. Yeah. And then you need to go do it. Like, you need to throw yes. yourself into the fire and go train people. Not just yourself. Like, train actual people because you'll see how people react to, to the different movements, the exercises, dealing with different personalities. I mean, it's a whole another ball game than just going through one certification and looking at a textbook. And I think what's interesting, too, is is not discounting things we see. At least try it. And you might be very surprised at how difficult it can be or how intense it may be. It didn't look that way. It, you wouldn't think of it something that it, to be that intense. Because if you discount it, all of a sudden you, you find the system. You're like, holy crap. I wish I would have gotten on this like years ago instead of having it, finding it years later. Because I just was a late adapter, so to speak. Or I was kind of closed-minded on tr- even giving it a try, right? No, absolutely. And then go back to uh, Neil, what you said, you know, training, actually training somebody else other than yourself. It's, um, you know, you could have this, the smartest person in the room, have all the degrees and all the certs, but don't know how to relay that to another human being or how to program that for another human being. And it's, it's, it goes back to what I was told, you know, uh, knowledge isn't power, the application of knowledge is power. You know, can you apply that to your client? in the safe and effective way yeah and i think that's what sometimes people miss you know it's can you train your client and do it safely do it effectively and have them like it and come back to you yeah and you need to communicate with them in in their style you know the way that they learn right because the way you learn isn't the way that uh, somebody else learns some cues work for other uh, people right i mean you have to have a bag full of coaching cues that you can use for every individual person. Yeah, some people can watch you do the exercise once and they get it. Mm-hmm. Some people you need to get in there and you you know you got to really coach them. You got to put your hands on them, put them in the positions for them to actually grasp it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, everyone's different. Oh yeah, very much so. Very much so. Some people, based on their comprehension and skill level, everything's gonna be different, vastly different. Uh, so it's these are things that new trainers don't really understand uh, because they lack that. A hands-on experience of, yeah. of interacting with people and, and being educators and being teachers. So, I mean, that's something that you you can only get being thrown into the fire, so to speak. Right. And sitting in the classroom is not going to give you that. So that'll give you a base, uh, but then you got to get out there. You got to put that time in. So did you start in a big corporate gym or did you start at a, like a, at a studio learning under someone? I started at a studio learning under someone, so I actually really never uh, experienced the one-on-one kind of training mentality, trying to get my own clients. I just 
I was a trainer at, at a at a privately owned gym and I would, you know, I'd, I'd start doing a few sessions a week, shadowed a lot of sessions. Um, I did a, a, a partially paid internship first for two months. And after that, I was a, a fully hired trainer and running the classes. And uh, so, yeah, I haven't had that, that uh, experience of having to go out and get my own clients before. That's why when I, we opened this gym now, it was a, a little bit of a, a, a switch for me because now I have to go out and, and, and market and get new clients to come in the door. But yeah, that was a, a great experience for me because I met a lot of great people and I networked with a lot of really good uh, trainers, a lot of smart people that I look to for advice even till this day. And I wouldn't change that experience for anything. Yeah, and then, you know, and that's basically how Jared's been able, in seven years, has been able to kind of fast track his career the way he has, you know, where I know I started in the corporate gym. What about you? Yeah, so I mean, I was, yeah, 24 hour fitness for just, uh, just literally just a few months before I was fortunate enough to get my break and go to a uh, private training studio. So, uh, yeah, I was fortunate enough to, to catch that break. but And it comes down to not just what you know, but who you know. Yeah. You know, it's just mm-hmm. like you mentioned with the networking. It is t- it is such a huge integral piece of, of cultivating your career and your business, uh, but definitely your career also, man. If you're a wallflower, I don't care how smart you are, how much you have, but if you're a wallflower just sitting back in the corner – you're gonna you're gonna have a long way to go to get to the same place as someone that may not have as much knowledge base as you, but man is willing to put him or herself out there, say hello and go, I'm open, teach me, boom boom boom, but man you've got to just have that confidence, networking, let yourself be known, and uh, get out there and, and just introduce yourself and don't be afraid to say hello. My name is boom and there you go. There you start the conversation. What is one thing that you would say that you really want to improve on? I'd say, I mean, going back to time management, I'd like to manage my time better, manage my finances better. I feel like um, building my my savings account would to, for, for later on in life, I'd need to improve on that. Um, speaking, as far as just slowing things down a little bit, being in the moment. Uh, I know sometimes I talk a little bit fast. So uh, I would actually love to take some speech therapy classes, especially since I'm going to be teaching groups in an educational format, an educational platform. I need to make sure that I come across as clear as possible. So that actually would be my number one thing that I want to improve myself. Oh, nice. That's, those are great answers. I like them. I like them. So when you're not working, what's your favorite thing to do? Cook. Cook. Yeah. What do you cook? Well, what's your favorite thing to cook? Favorite thing to cook, I would say, is probably some chicken fanchez. I make a pretty mean chicken, chicken fanchez. fanchez. What is yeah, that? I don't know what that is. So it's an Italian dish. Okay. So it's lightly floured. It's a little lemon, made in a wine sauce, served over rice or some over some pasta. I make a, a mean mac and cheese too, but we went uh, over that. We went yeah, over yeah. that the other day. <laughs> Me, me and Dennis are going to have a mac and cheese off, guys. We're going to have a mac and cheese off. So uh, Jared and I were hanging out in Arizona, what, about a month ago? Yep, a month ago. Um, at the NASM conference, and we are talking about hamburgers. And then he told me about his veggie burger. 
He's like, yeah, yeah man, I get a veggie burger with bacon. And bacon on it. That's an what? It's an oxymoron, man. It's yeah. an oxymoron. Yeah, I, I, I had it the first time when I was at the Perform Better in uh, in Providence. So yeah, this place called the Station. How did you come up with that at first? <laughs> I just, or I was just. Was that on the menu? Literally, was in the mood for a veggie burger, and I was like, ah, can I get bacon on it? <laughs> What did the, what did the waiter like, or waitress he did do? A, he did give me a strange look. Yeah. <laughs> like, but he was like, yeah, sure. <laughs> He's like, you sure? I was like, yeah. Yeah, some bacon. Oh, man. So I had a veggie burger with bacon on it. It was delicious. I got to try that. that that's delicious. A, that's actually a veggie or a, a BLT, isn't it? Basically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a good way of putting it. Veggies and bacon. It basically, it's a BLT. <laughs> yeah. It's a extreme BLT. Yeah. The, the uh, next time you come out here and you have a significant amount of time here, Jared's gonna cook his mac and cheese. I want to make mine. We'll have to video. We'll have to video this. We'll have to do some uh, live TV streaming on the judging or something. What's your other? Some of your other favorite things, activities you like to do? I uh, love to hike. Uh, love to uh, basketball is another love of mine. So baseball, basketball, uh, golf, man. I've picked up oh, yes. golf. Yeah. Uh, I've, been, I've I've played, you know, but this past year I've really focused on getting better at golf, watched a lot of golf, read about a lot of golf, uh, actually watched a lot of golf pros on Instagram, actually reached out to a lot of golf pros on Instagram. Yeah, I did. And uh, sent them some videos of me, and they were, some some answered, some didn't, but uh, the feedback that I got was awesome. And uh, That's why we get along, man, fellow golf. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, man. yeah. We've played top golf yeah, at, uh, at Phoenix. Yeah, we played Yeah, you saw me hit a little. Who got the better score? Oh, Did like, you guys compete? We didn't really compete, but Neil had the better shots. That, that, that's obvious. That's that certain. It's not fair. His swing though. looks it's good. Not fair. Yeah, Dude, it's not his fair. Swing's it's not beautiful. Fair. His swing is beautiful. His swing is beautiful. His swing is beautiful. Beautiful swing. Drops it in the slot. Right? Beautiful swing, man. Beautiful yeah, swing. I look yeah. at it and I go, whatever, dude. But I mine's left-handed, so it's... <laughs> I get props. I get added points for being lefty. <laughs> I, I got when I see your swing, it, it looks nice. It, looks, it, it does look nice. That's, like, that's I was just like, that's some constant. It's weird. I had a weird intrinsic motivation this year to get good. Uh, I, don't, I don't know where it came from, but I was intrinsically motivated to play a lot of golf and really work on my game. I don't know where it came from, but it, it just showed up, and I went. I went for it, and my, I shot an eighty-four this year. Nice, from man. the tips, from, from the, really? the back. That's yeah, that's a good score. Yeah. Well, a good friend of mine, uh, he's good. So when we play, he forces me to play from the back tees. So whenever I played by myself, I made it a point to play from the back tees. So uh, yeah, eighty four is my, my my low score. So how year. often are you getting out there? In the beginning of the summer, I was legit out there like three uh, three days a week. Oh, I was playing. Yeah, I was playing a lot. I'm jealous. Yeah, right. I was playing a lot. And then it slowed down toward the midsummer, and then, like in the early fall, uh, I was playing like twice a week. Okay. Yeah, twice a week. Well, thank you for coming out and joining us for this weekend, man. It was yeah, good. Yeah, man. Thank you for having me. Well, thank it you was... for being our first guest too. Yeah, man. that's that's huge. I feel honored. Yeah, dude. Uh, any last thoughts, guys? Yeah, I mean, I, I got I got one. Uh, find if if you if you are a young trainer out there and you're just starting, find mentors. Work for free in the start. Like we said, ask questions. I wouldn't be where I am right now, sitting in this chair, doing this podcast as a master instructor if I didn't ask to assist. So yeah, find a mentor, ask questions. Beautiful. Neil? I mean, I think Jared's spot on there. I mean, just, you know, just his story, just get after it. Yeah, yeah. I think what you said was great. Definitely find mentors. You, you need them. You got to have someone there that's willing to give you the advice that you need to hear, not what you want to hear. Mm. 
folks, you have to be told stuff that you don't want to face. And, uh, you know, it's just like Jared said, he wanted to work on his business side. Uh, and if you're planning on being a trainer, an independent trainer, and not working at a box gym or a corporate gym, then guess what, folks? You have to have some business acumen or at least bring somebody into your fold that can do that for you. If it's a CPA or I mean a bookkeeper, a tax person, somebody that can help you organize and stay focused on budgeting and all the these behind the training details, behind the scenes, these are what keep you thriving and prospering, not just your training. Because, man, if you focus on just the training, you're never going to let your business grow the way it needs to. So until next time, be sure to check out all our social media at Stick Mobility on Instagram, Stick Mobility on Facebook. Uh, Be sure to check out our site, stickmobility.com, and the list of our two-day certifications. Until next time, we're out. Peace. Peace.